Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Our Football Podcast, episode 79. I'm Amelia Lopez. Welcome back, everybody. We took a little break last week. We hope you enjoyed our Siena Relas interview, but we are back and with tons of stuff to talk about. And as always, is my counterpart, Adriana Terrazas. Adriana, how are you today? I'm great, Amy. Great to be back and just talk about everything that's been going on in the league. I think we're slowly warming up to a, like a really busy summer. Um, just everything that's going on, lots of leagues, lots of games. Um, so yeah, just excited to be able to talk about it. Most definitely. I mean, I'm kind of tired. I don't like every time I'm like, I miss soccer. I didn't think about like all the planning that has to come with it. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesdays on, I mean, on this Wednesday, even though we usually record on Thursdays because at the end and I looked at our schedules for tomorrow and we're like, yeah, we're not going to have time at all. (laughs) But like I said, so much stuff to talk about. We're going to be talking about some really great news that has to do with women's soccer here in CONCACAF. We're going to recap the Liga MX Feminine Jornada 11, looking into Jornada 12. And then we're going to give Adriana her space to vent about whatever is going on over at Chivas. Uh, But to start off, Adriana, huge, huge news coming out of the Inquirer from Jonathan Tenenwald, in which uh, I can't even talk anymore. I'm so excited. CONCACAF is essentially planning to launch a Continental Women's Club Champions League after the 2023 World Cup. I mean, we've been talking about this since forever. I remember I asked Enrique Bonilla, the former Liga MX president, last year before the Liga MX MLS All-Star Game was going to happen after COVID, and he said, give it time, but it feels like the time is here, Adriana. I'm so excited because this is something that we've all been waiting for. It's something we've rooted for. I just can't imagine how much all the leagues um, hopefully will have grown by 2023 or just after that. Just, I mean, looking back, I mean, Liga MX Feminine turns four years old this year, and it seems as though so much has happened. They've changed the rules, the age limit. Um, we're, we're probably going to see a, a U17 or U20 tournament come up this summer. Um, we already had a squad that was runners-up in the U-17 World Cup. We have an entirely different structure for the women's national teams. So just thinking of the possibilities coming into the following two years after the World Cup is really exciting for the, the entire confederation. I mean, obviously, Liga Mix Feminine is what we've, we've seen the most, right? But it's still just thinking about how much it's going to um, make sure that other confederations start taking women's soccer seriously, start investing in the clubs and structure in player development and just have that tournament slowly grow and just add uh, onto that, that growth is, is really, really exciting. Um, obviously, we're going to see some differences between the leagues because there, it's just, I mean, that's, that's the nature of it, right? We've had leagues that have been around a lot longer. We have leagues that yeah. have been um, a lot like really recently uh, created. So it, it is going to be different, but I think the purpose of this is just making sure that clubs follow through and leagues follow through and just make sure this is an entire project keeps on going and keeps on growing on itself. So I'm really, really excited. I don't guarantee there'll be a, a, like a clear favorite disregarding the fact that we don't even know what leagues will be participating yet or, or when, how this will take place. Because again, we've seen just Liga Mix Media grow so much in the past four years. I can't imagine what will, how it'll be like in, in a, another two. Yeah, and that's a great point to bring up because there was a lot, once this came out, there was a lot of excitement, rightfully so. There's ton, women's soccer is growing in general globally on a really massive scale. Everybody's really into it. And those that have been into it for a long time feel this is long overdue. Um, but there was a, there was like a rhetoric, and because we are a Liga Mex Feminine centered podcast, 
you know, I feel this is worth bringing up. There was a lot of rhetoric going around as if, like Adriana said, there was a clear favorite miles ahead within this article itself as well, you know, and you're free to go read it yourself, um, you know, in whichever way you want to. There was just, it just felt very, like you were already counting your chickens before they hatched, right? The, the, this tournament is two years in advance. I, I mean, two years into the future. We have no idea what's going to happen. Um, but it was really interesting to see that rhetoric already take place because it was something we were also discussing with amongst ourselves, you know, the nuances of the leagues that might participate in this with the Liga Max Femenil and the NWSL included. You know, we have on the men's side, men's soccer has been developed for a very long time and we still have you know i mean CONCACAF itself has been turned into a verb because things are crazy and things happen and why not have that kind of level of excitement and just pure on debauchery happen on the women's side where you don't know you don't know if an nwsl team is gonna is gonna win this they might they are a few steps ahead from the rest of them, of course, like we're just talking about the Liga Max Feminine is four years old. I think the NWSL in itself is about 10 years old. So there is that huge chunk of time where you guys have developed in a, in a long way. But to assume that there's a champion already feels a little misguided. And that was something that, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the data, or if you even look at just in and of itself at the, at the league, if you look at the Liga Max Feminine, it's had substantial growth in a very small amount of time. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we also have to look into what are every league's, each league's priorities. I mean, Liga Maximini was created to actually be a, a structure that could stand by the national teams. That's why it was created. It wasn't created just because of the league itself. I mean, which obviously has its benefits and also has its goals. But when they announced the Liga Maximini, it was more of a structure that they wanted to make sure that the, the national teams grew as well. So that's why we had really young players. I remember writing a piece in the first season of the Amicus Feminine. They had a 12-year-old in Monarca as the youngest player yet. Um, obviously, that brought on some criticism as well. She's still playing. Uh, she's been called up by several national teams. And we've seen this, uh, this generation of players grow, uh, especially the U-20s, the U-17s. Um, we're still seeing some senior team-level uh, players um, just guiding those really younger ones and making sure that they're also playing at a really high competitive level. There's still lots and lots of things to do. I mean, I was reading this, this really amazing investigative piece by Beatriz Pereira, who published the story in Proceso last week, just mentioning everything that still has to happen in, in Liga Mexicana Femenil. They still need um, players, they, they still need doctors that are specialized in women athletes because uh, we've seen so many injuries because the, the doctors that are being treated that are treating the, the women's players aren't that familiar with what could go on uh, when they're having their periods when they're like several things that are just special for, for women and they don't have that attention so sometimes we've seen that more players are injury prone because of that lack, lack of knowledge of women's athletes right um, we're starting to see also with some improvements regarding salaries but still, there's tons of stuff to go. You still have to educate players about how to rest and how to eat uh, when they're off the field and how they have to behave and how they have to be uh, just like 24 hour long players. So it, there's definitely tons of stuff that still has to go on that still kind of show how new and how young the league is. But if we start looking at on the other end, we have seen world records regarding audiences in, in stadiums. We have seen so many new players in the national teams starting to just be players that we could, we know we can count on on a senior on, on the national team level. 
So it's it's really difficult to start comparing leagues just because of how, like the nature behind all of them and how some of them, yeah, they, they've done amazingly well. Some of them are playing in stadiums. Some of them are still playing in, in training fields. Um, it's it's so different. So I'm, I'm really glad we're having like this talk. I really hope that this tournament does take place. I don't see it as a, as a scenario where we're going to start seeing like really clear favorites and just say like, oh, this tournament shouldn't even happen because the gap is just so wide and it's not going to benefit anybody. I think the fact that we're going to push so many leagues to actually participate is the point itself in the beginning and obviously start competing even better. I mean, just saying that there's a clear favorite is, is just like saying that the Mexican, the men's national team is always going to be favored in Costa Rica. We've seen that that isn't the case. We've seen the U.S. do better. We've seen Costa Rica do better. So I just think the fact that we have more competition makes us and everyone just obligated to make sure that we're prepared for that competition and, and kind of a continuous growth to make sure that we're up to the level of everyone else. Yeah, and let's look at some of the positives from the Liga Max Femini because about, I think, like two weeks or so, um, they actually released some of the data to back up just the growth that's been happening in the league. So on other social platforms, you know, they've seen a huge increase since the four years of inception. They have over 575K followers on Facebook, 209K followers on Twitter. Uh, just for comparison purposes, again, not trying to bash anything because the NWSL is still a really great avenue for Mexican-Americans or just players in general to start off before they go to the, Le the Liga Mex Femini or vice versa. Um, so 209 followers on Twitter for the Liga Mex Femini. NWSL has 218.3. So in maybe half the time that they, she, they've existed, they're already very close to the followers. Now, on YouTube, they only have 40K, the Liga Mex Femini. I think the MWSL has some like 100K followers. So there are still some discrepancies. Um, but you do see that, that, you know, kind of, like marketability power that they have, you know, they have over 120 million impressions since they've grown, since they've started audience has grown 9% in the last two years. So if you, you quantify it, it's around 4.6 million people that have watched every season in those two years. So, I mean, there is that power. And I think when you don't know how strong that power is going to get in two years, you don't know how impactful that's going to be in the next two years. And plus, if you look at it from a champions league standpoint, like just the format you're not going to be facing, you know, no disrespect to them at all. You're not even facing Necaxa. You're not facing Leon Femenil. You know, you're going to be facing off the way that the men's does, right? Against the champions. So who is that going to be? That's going to be Tigres. That's going to be Monterrey. That could possibly be Chivas or an America if you get super technical. You don't think that those women's sides, you know, as part of the whole organization that's also coupled with the men's side is going to be like, hey, we're not going to have to play in a champions league. You don't think they're going to invest or want to have a good product out there and it's going to be competitive like that that's where yeah just like you're saying Adriana you can't already automatically assume there's going to be a favorite I mean even for the lower division leagues if you want to call them that or just like the other Latin American leagues you don't think that with CONCACAF possibly providing some kind of financial support for this tournament they're not going to like want to actually put a good product out there maybe we'll see you know Maybe you will see like a Thailand and a U.S. situation on the club level, right? Where just like the gap is huge. But for those big teams, it's going to be a fun match. And I think everybody's going to want that. Houston versus Houston Dash versus Tigres Feminine was exciting for everyone involved. And, you know, even to the point that the Dash was like the marketing strategies that they had for over here with Tigres Feminine, they went and took it over back to Houston, so there are things that they can learn from each other or that's going to happen that's going to be benefit everybody in the region where, 
yeah, I guess we're, then I keep saying it, you know, to already start, you know, tacking that trophy and trying to figure out what shelf you're going to put it on is really misguided. Yeah, I agree. I think it misses the, the entire point of the tournament, to be yeah. honest. I, I think every league and every team that represents that league will know what goals they want. I mean, sometimes you just go into a tournament knowing it's going to be more of a development project. Sometimes you go in there knowing, yeah, you just have to, I don't know, maybe it'll, get, it'll be like a, a ticket to another tournament or just, I mean, it, it'll depend. I think we're, all, we're still kind of going ahead of ourselves and just uh, thinking about how it could be because of the experience we have with on the men's side. Um, but yeah, definitely, I think we just have to look into how the leagues will be in a couple of years. Um, see all the entire, like the benefit of having so many more games starting this year. We've seen that already with the Mexican national team, constantly seeing with the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be an entirely different qualifying process. So we're definitely going to see some growth there with, with other teams and other nations as well. So it's, it's going to be really difficult to s- just say something and make sure that that's going to be happening in two years, because again, the leagues could change so much. We have new teams, we have different leagues, we have uh, more investment from FIFA in some in some countries as well. So I'm, it's going to be really difficult. But I I wouldn't guarantee anything. I mean, it it, it will it, it's going to be something that we're probably going to see a lot better in, in a couple of years when we actually know the format, who's participating, how they've created their leagues, how they're going to prepare for the tournament, where they're going to play. It's there are just so many variables at this point. Yeah. But anyway, it's going to be fun. I'm excited already. I'm entertained. Congratulations to Tigres Femenil on being the inaugural champion. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that defeats the purpose of what we were just saying. I'm just kidding, guys. But yeah, it should be fun. And I'm looking forward to how they develop this and how the tournament is. Adriana, we are going to be at every game. I'm just letting you know already. We're just- we are definitely going to see like every game possible. It's going every- to be oh, it sounds so amazing. I can't, I'm remembering like World Cup. I, I was just watching so many games, like as many as I could. It was just so much fun all the time every day so a lot of fun definitely look forward to it I mean it's an exciting time for women's talker like we're saying and interleague competitions have been long overdue so I'm very very excited anyway moving on with Liga MX Femenil Adriana Jornada 11 just came we had it we had another midweek tournament that just came and went a lot of stuff that was happening but the game of the Jornada was definitely the Clásico Tapatio it was such a crazy game. I remember watching it and like you could listen to the goals. Uh, and my boyfriend came over and it says, it was that another goal? Was that another goal? And he was like, what the hell is going on? Why are we listening to so many goals at the same time? And yeah, it was such a crazy match. I mean, 3-3, um, Atlas being the home the home team, getting that first advantage um, with with Garcia, um, with Paula Garcia, Caro Jaramillo with the... Wait, she was the free kick, right? I'm trying to remember because I remember yeah. the six goals and stuff. Yeah, yeah she, she got the free kick. kick. Um, Atlas again getting the advantage in the second half. Alicia Cervantes not only scoring but getting that record, um, that record goal for Chivas. Now she's the top scorer for the team and only two tournaments, which is really crazy. Previous goal record was for Norma Palafox. It took her six tournaments to have that record, and Alicia Cervantes just killed it with only two tournaments. Um, so then we got that, and then we had got like four goals in 11 minutes, which was totally crazy. It wasn't the best defensive game for either side, to be honest. We had really like important like mistakes on both ends uh, defensively. Goalkeepers so, too, just decided. Yeah, the goalkeepers. To... <laughs> yeah, the goalkeepers just decided it wasn't like they were not going to have a good day at the same time. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, Alicia Cervantes took advantage. Both of Alicia Cervantes' uh, goals were mistakes by Ana Gaby Paz. And then also Blanca Felix, I think she just 
didn't have the best um, the best performance possible, seeing as though it's also a high rivalry game against Southwest. Yeah, no, I, it was there was a lot of different factors that went into why this game was so high scoring. I think um, I forgot which Atlas player talked after the match, but alluded to the fact that they had just come off of an away game at Ju- in Juarez, traveled back in the course of like maybe two days, and had to co- and then had to go and face off against against Chivas, who's been uh, with good momentum. Um, so there was that factor, of course. Mm-hmm. Chivas was one Guadalajara, so they had that advantage. Um, Atlas, I, Atlas was very close to winning this game off of that Alison Gonzalez free kick that just barely hit the post, but it was appropriate because it was a they both they shared the points and it was a, it was equally chaotic. But it was a really good game. I think it was a really good showing from both ends. Obviously, goalkeepers were a huge factor in this um, for being what it was. But I thought Carajaramillo scoring was good for her because she has been somewhat on on thin ice since that whole debacle happened. Um, in that game, uh, Licha obviously getting the breaking the record was huge for her, um, huge for the team as well because we're gonna get into that later. Obviously for the yeah, so it's twenty seven goals, right? Twenty seven. She broke the re- no twenty seven. She tied the record. Twenty three, right? Oh, twenty three goals in twenty seven games. I think is what you're saying, right? Yeah, I th- let me check. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll double check because I remember I remember it took like uh, no, not but it looks like sixty something games. I think it's so, more. I think it was like eighty games, no? Yeah, let, let me check. Um, yeah, let me check because. It depends if you count like the regular season games or in the Ligillas as well. Oh yeah, that's a good um, But yeah, it was, I mean, it was just crazy. But I, I do remember it was six tournaments, uh, six seasons against only two. So that was just crazy for Cervantes. I think it's a really great, but while you're looking at this, I think it's a really great moment for Licha Cervantes as well. I think that it, it create. I think her and Mejia are both have kind of like this like game face of like, they're because they both are like, oh yeah, yeah we're happy that I, I broke the record, but like better like like bigger goals need to be achieved like before she I was on the press conference when before she broke the record and they're asking her you know oh what's it gonna feel like when you break in and and she's just very very humble about it she's like you know what this is a testament to my teammates for what they've done for me I'm really excited for it but we're looking bigger we want to you know this is this is this isn't a redemption season this is an improved season and so we want to win and then Trudy Mejia was asked about her breaking the record and he's like she's really happy and then he even laughed at it he's like actually I don't want to speak for her but I know she'll agree with me when I say that this isn't mm-hmm. the biggest goal that we have to achieve so I'm kind of excited for Chivas on that end because yeah. they, they have had they've been consistent but they have had flops here and there not huge flops you know they've they've lost a few games um, on their own accord but I'm excited to see how much of that fight they have in them and, and and they were able to show it this was a much better game than what they had last season where Atlas just completely blew them out of the water and surprised them I mean I think Mejia also had that feeling too because I remember after that classical he was like I know I know the importance of these games and I don't like to lose them and so I I really like that kind of like energy that they have for the team right now yeah agreed um yeah looking it over I, I remember why I was remembering 60 so um, the goal scoring record was 21 goals. Uh, so Licha was tied and then she scored number 22 and number 23. Mm-hmm. And it took her 87 games against, I mean, it took her 27 games against 87 from Norma. So that's why I was remembering it's, it's like, 60 oh. games of like difference. Like oh, it's just crazy. Time. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, has the, the, and the league is more difficult now too, which is crazy. The yeah, because Norma started off uh, when we only had when we had the group system as well. Yeah. Um. So you didn't have to face all the teams, and now Licha does. 
So you have that, plus you have players that are a lot older because um, we actually now have a, an underage limit rule and previously you didn't. So I think it was just a little bit more difference between some, some of the squads. Um, so yeah, it, it, it took Licha only two seasons and it took Norma six. Um, so it'll be it'll be really interesting when when Norma comes back from from a reality show and goes back to to, to Pachuca now, and just see how she does and how she starts to like get a hang of, of scoring goals in this in the league again and just being back and seeing if it's an entirely different level as well. Yeah, definitely. Licha is also catching up. Alison Gonzalez, like I mentioned, did not score in this Clasico. So she, Licha is also catching up to that goal scoring golden boot race she's at 10 goals and Allison's at 11 so that should be fun so really exciting a uh, couple of games and it's only going to get more interesting for Chivas going into the rest of the end of the season more classicals for them to come so definitely looking forward to that um, other notable things for me Adriana America 2-2 draw against Tigres where they basically created their own draw they I mean they got a they got a point but it feels like a loss it, it was, yeah, it was definitely kind of like that game. It didn't let me down because, I mean, it was a high rivalry game as well. Yeah. But it, it kind of still did, right? <laughs> it's because Tigres scored off of two PKs. Like, yeah, it would have been exactly. different if, like, you know, Stephanie Mayor does her thing and she scores a golazo or whatever. But it yeah. was, like, off of America's own fault. Like, it didn't, it was still exciting. Do that, and it still had the nutmeg show. I really like that, by the way. <laughs> I like that little, that little video. But it felt like, yeah, it felt like America like lost themselves two points. It, it did. I mean, it definitely did. I mean, the home game at the Azteca, which I was really excited about because it's been a while since we've seen them there. Um, I remember even Tigres, two things that were really funny. Um, they posted a tweet that said, our team hasn't received a single red <laughs> card in 55 games. And they lost that streak that same afternoon. That was just, I was, I was like laughing. I was like literally laughing. I was like, oh my God, the community manager posted this is now like, just like, oh my God, I shouldn't have posted anything. Um, and then also Tigres kind of posting some videos when they arrived at second said like, hey, we're back. And so it was, it was I, I love that like rivalry that they have on social media. Sometimes it's really, it gets, it's, it's exciting. It kind of builds up a lot more of the rivalry. Um, you're way more, um, you have a high expectation of the game and what's going to go on and stuff like that. So I saw those, those posts and then you have the red card and then you also have um, a tie come in, but again, for two PKs, which is not what you expected from Diaz at all. So it was, it was really uh, just weird to see that happen. And yeah, I, I do agree. I think this felt more like a loss for America than an actual, just like a draw. I mean, there's positives to this, right? They just came off of two losses, one, one mm -hmm. against Cholos, one against San Luis. So there's that positive. They're able to score. Dani Espinosa gets a goal. Monte Hernandez gets a goal. Like, that's good for their confidence, and that's good for them to come out of that rut against San Luis and Cholos because they're ruining my quiniela for one. But two, like, you know, they're just so inconsistent that you – that you see this and you're like, hey, that's good. They're scoring. They're scoring. And then they give up two PKs and you're just yeah. like, ah. Like they, they lost two points and now makes them sit in eighth place. So they're barely on the cusp of, I mean, it's still going to change. There's, there's, there's six weeks left. But, you know, it's just those little nuances where it's like, when, once you get into the Ligia, like our, our team's going to fear you. I think, they, I think they're scared of... Yeah. I think they're scared of Tigres now. I think they're obviously scared of Atlas. I think Chivas is making a, a good case for themselves, but Chuka as well. 
but you look at America and you go, they'll kind of like step on their own toes. And, you know, we'll, whoever's going to end up facing them almost feels a little shred of confidence. Um, but they have such a good team. It's, it, that's the frustrating part. Yeah, agreed. It, I mean, I'm still kind of glad because just the fact that the league isn't predictable almost at all anymore um, just brings that much more excitement. It just, again, shows us how much it's grown, how much you can't really count on Tigres winning every time and just winning, like winning against anybody in whatever stadium. So I'm kind of glad because, again, this, this starts to make sure the teams aren't like just guaranteeing any victory. They're, they really do have to work for it. They really, you really do see when teams um, take advantage of any rest that they get because of FIFA friendlies or whenever a player comes back. So you start seeing more of this like internal structure in the teams regarding uh, growth during the season, performance, just making sure that they're, again, getting players back, making sure they have really good subs to come in. Um, and just, yeah, it, I'm really excited because, again, we saw an entirely different league just like three weeks ago. I mean, we had Pumas in first place. Now they're in fifth. Yes, Tigres is first place, but they're followed really close behind by Atlas, only two points away. And we were used to having Tigres have a really comfortable advantage in first place. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy we're seeing like a lot higher rivalry, um, especially now towards the, the second half of the season. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of growth, um, one of the big notable points for me is Cruz Azul, a team that has never qualified, as least you might tell me I'm completely wrong right now, but they've never qualified for the Miguel. No, they've never qualified. Ever. No. Currently comfortably sitting in sixth place. I mean, I was really hesitant for Carlos Perez to take on this team when he joined during the preseason, but it seems as though he has, he has gotten a little bit of what I call the Mejia effect on this team, where he, <laughs> I mean, he comes from a, he comes from the men's side. He takes on this team and they seem to be on a really good run of form. I'm actually surprised that Alejandra, Alejandra Curiel doesn't have more goals this season. Yeah, right. Um, we were talking about this during the game. It was like, she's only, I think she only has five. It just seems as though for someone that's constantly being such, uh, like, such a key player, such a star player in, in the attack, you think she has more goals. But yeah, I mean, definitely really excited for, for, for Cruz Azul. I mean, the last game they lost was in Jornada 6. And we're going into Jornada 12. So it means like half the season or half what we've actually seen from the season, they haven't lost a single game, which is really exciting. I was rooting for them last season after they had some really interesting matches, especially against Tigres and Monterrey. Um, they didn't win, but they played particularly well, just seeing as though these were two teams or two rivals that we were expecting to make it to the final. And Kususu really, I mean, it, they were surprising and they really complicated things a lot for, for Tigres and Monterrey. So now seeing them again, have that really um, just great streak. They, they won against Juarez, the, uh, a week before that, they beat Pachuca, they beat Atlas, which was a real surprise. I mean, just seeing Atlas is currently second place. You got a draw against Cholos, against Toluca. Um, and the last time you lost, I think the only two teams they've actually lost, let me see, yeah. The only two games you lost were against Pumas, who was probably first place right at that point. It was Pumas's best point of the season so far, which was Jornada 6. And then one week before that, against Rayadas uh, as an away game. So, I mean, not that you always think that you're going to lose those games, but out of the, like all your games you've had this season, only losing against two teams who were probably at their best at that point, um, I think speaks really well about, about how Cruz Azul is coming into the season. They do have some high rivalry games at the end, which is really unfortunate for them because they could lose, lose those Ligia positions right at the end. 
They faced Tigres, Chivas, and America consecutively. Um, and then their last game of the season is against Querétaro. So they do have to come in with, um, I think, a, a larger advantage regarding um, the standings to make sure that when you face those really high rivalry games, um, not, not preparing for the worst, but just making sure you know that those games are coming, right? And those are going to be really difficult because those teams as well are going to start looking for either making sure that they make it to Liguilla or if they're guaranteed to find Liguilla, making sure that they have that home team, that home game advantage um, looking into the quarterfinals. So that's going to be really important for Cruz Azul as well. Yeah, and I mean, their goal differential is actually kind of not super problematic, but I mean, for every goal they score, they allow a goal, right? They have 14 goals in favor, 13 goals against. So you start facing off against some tough competition those last few weeks of the season, you know, yeah, that that could definitely make or break you making it into. Although I will say, Carla Morales, goalkeeper for Cruz Azul, is having a fantastic season herself. Granted, she has had 13 goals scored in her, but I really like what I see from her. I think it's more of like a defensive issue more than anything else sometimes for Cruz Azul. <laughs> But yeah, definitely credit to them. I hope they are able to advance. It would be really great for them. And yeah, we'll definitely see moving forward. Adriana, yeah. any other games that stand out for you for Jornada 11? Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I remember screaming like on Friday with, with the, on Saturday with the, the Clásico Tapatio. That was just a crazy game. It was really early as well. So <laughs> I was I actually woke was up constantly... in time to watch it and I was like Oh really? Yes. Was so <laughs> it was it was um I'm trying to remember it was Saturday or Sunday. It was a Sunday at 10 a.m. over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think those I mean I'm I, I'm pretty sure like those games were the ones that everyone was highlighting this week. I was kind of surprised to see Pumas not getting a single goal against Atletico de San Luis. Kind of was expecting maybe a draw, but not not like not as a scoreless draw. So, um, yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. Necaxa getting a 1-0 win against Querétaro. That was uh, pretty exciting as well, just seeing as though Necaxa is constantly last place. They're now in 15th place, and Juarez is one that's in, in deep trouble in last place. So uh, just, just seeing that competition also um, improve, even with the teams that have not been doing as well as we'd like them to, is, is also something I'm, I'm pretty excited about, just, just to make sure that that end of the season um, might just see some of these teams complicate things a bit for the all the other teams in, in the standings. Yeah, that was something that I actually I'm glad you brought it up because that was something that something that I definitely looked at too. Cause I mean like Leon Femenil has been better than they were last season by like a mile, in my opinion, but they're like third from the bottom. And I I don't like you're saying I think they're good complications for the top teams where you don't feel like I mean, like we just like we just said Nekaksa gotta win. Like they never get a win. I think they get a win until like week 16. I'm just kidding. No, but it, <laughs> yeah, it feels I like that that's sometimes. Really it happens. Yeah, but it is really cool to see the competition kind of like fluctuate in the in the upward direction um, moving forward into the league. But looking at Jornada 12, Cruz Azul faces off against Mazatlan on to the N um, tomorrow, Thursday. So we'll see if they can, if they're able to get a win. My Mazatlan is no longer in playoff contention. I mean, they're sitting in 10th place, but I'm really sad. So I'm almost then <laughs> to make it. I just need one of them, please. I need a reason to go over there if COVID like slowly stops. And if I get, I mean, back. yeah, they're only outside of the year positions because, um, because of goal differential. So, I mean, they, they can still make it. They have, it's amazing, but they're tied with America, which is something you, Definitely wouldn't expect at this point, right? I mean, you really? would expect to make a tablet. Really? Like, over there still, I'm surprised they're not worse. Yeah, I got me. <laughs> <laughs> Things are happening. 
<laughs> all right. But yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, they're only like a point away from Pachuca in seventh place. So I don't know. It, we'll have to take a look at their calendar to see um, how the end of the season looks for them. Anything is possible. We'll see. Um, all right. More games to look forward to. Friday, we've got Querétaro versus Atlas. That will be available through your friends. Let them know. Then Saturday, we've got Pumas versus León. Pumas needs to get a win here. There's there's no question about it. That'll be available on TUDN. Chivas versus Puebla. That should be a good game, I think. Chivas, again, needs to just keep up that momentum. Although Puebla, like we just mentioned, has a really great goalkeeper that we interviewed. So it might complicate things for Chivas. Then we got San Luis versus Santos. Toluca versus Necaxa. Pachuca versus America should be a good game. That'll be on Monday. And then we've got Tigres versus Juarez and Cholos versus Rayadas. Adriana, if you had to pick... Besides the two the end games, <laughs> if you had a big game to watch, <laughs> what game are you watching? Um, I mean, definitely Pachuca America has yeah. it's it's yeah high rivalry game. Um, would great be great to see how America does after getting that draw against Tigres. Pachuca, um, they they were slowly come, coming out of like a like like a, a difficult streak uh, with Doña Is, but definitely looking a lot better towards the second half of the season. So. It'll be great to see how they do against um, a team like America. So I'm kind of eager to see that one. Um, and probably Cruz Azul versus Mazatlan. Um, first game of, of this weekend. Just see how Cruz Azul does. Again, if they're starting to get a comfortable advantage in the Guilla positions. And yes, also Amy rooting slightly for, for Mazatlan and seeing what goes on with them. Always my boyhood club. <laughs> but yeah, definitely uh, good games to look forward to. So as always, um, all of us in some way or Shape we are form, we'll let you know where you can watch it. And if you can't watch it, let your friends know in the DMs. That's all I'm going to say. All right, moving on, we'll give some breath to the men's side. Um, so Adriana can kind of vent. She wasn't on the Mexican soccer show on Monday. So Adriana, what is going on over at Chivas? What's, what? First of all, how did you feel about the Clásico 3-0 loss? Um, okay, so there's a good, there's like a good thing and there's like a bad thing regarding that 3-0 loss. The good thing, I mean, okay, the terrible thing is obviously the loss it was such a, like, America was playing a lot better than Chivas. I do think Chivas had two clear opportunities that could have changed, like, the entire scenario for, for the game. Um, but again, this, the, like, you don't really care about what, what goals you missed, rather the goals you actually scored. Um, so it was a painful loss, being Guadalajara, people back in the stadium, um, just everything that was said during the week. On the other hand, I was kind of grateful that we started to see a growing rivalry between like this generation of players at Chivas at America, because truth be told, um, ever since, probably since Chivas won the last Liga MX championship with Almeida, um, we haven't seen that high rivalry because Chivas hasn't been that competitive throughout like other seasons. Like, yeah, I, I, like this, this things, but it, it's the truth to be honest. Um, so just because of the fact that Chivas hasn't been as competitive as we'd like it to be, those Clásicos, they kind of lost um, some potential, some like strength, some excitement around them. I mean, we were more excited sometimes uh, were for Clásicos, Cruz Azul versus America, because they were constantly being like first and second place or just like really like up there in, in stands, right? Um, in standings. So when when the Clásico came around, it was like, uh, I mean, it still is a Clásico, it's a foreign, but since there was such a big difference between the teams and, and their performances, I think was kind of losing some identity, I guess. Um, and during the entire week, we had this conversation regarding precisely that, like the identity of these players and 
you don't really have like those really high profile players on either team. I mean, maybe just Ochoa for America, but regarding Chivas, you don't have that really key player that just like, like born out of Chivas and, and like the youth system. And I mean, you, you just don't have that player. You do have important players, but you just, just don't have that key um, captain figure star player that like, is just like embodies everything that Chivas is. So I was kind of glad to see players take that personally. And then we had um, Sebastian Cordova score, take off his jersey and post just like Messi did against Real Madrid, right? When he shows a jersey to, to, the, to the fans. Um, and then just seeing Henry Martin do that Guatemoc Blanco impersonation um, with, like, with, with both of his goals, which was just amazing. So I was really happy to see that because I do think the Clásico needed that. We do need these episodes where one team or the other um, kind of makes sure that we still have like something that stings the other team, like the rivals. Um, so I was kind of happy to see that because otherwise, I mean, they could have just scored and just celebrated and be like, yeah, we won. But it was like those little details I really appreciated because I think we we're kind of losing them because again, we don't have those Cuauhtémoc Blancos, those Ramoncito Morales, Osvaldo Sanchez, right? Um, Cabañas, I mean, those like really, really high profile players that made the Clásico just something else, something like you were really, really excited about. So, yeah, so I was obviously sad for the result, um, kind of worried for some of, some of the team, some of the players for Chivas not having the, their best performances, uh, kind of not kind of worried because it is starting to look as though it's going to be quite difficult to make it to Liguilla, despite the fact that 12 teams can actually qualify. But, um, but on the other hand, as and like a, a fan of Liga Max and, and just football in general, I was happy to see um, those ingredients of like rivalry starting to come back. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely was a huge proclaimer of the fact that it felt really underwhelming. You know, these, these last couple classicals were a little weird in terms of like Giovanni scoring and then Chicote scoring in the Ligia. Um, she was just winning in the Ligia. Um, so th that was cool. I, I definitely enjoyed those things. Obviously, Guatemala Blanco and America mean something to, from like a, a family standpoint in my family because we do support one team. Um, but I agree. I think it added that extra za that people needed. I just think, yeah, but like as a fan of the league, that was cool and that's what was needed. But as a fan of the league also, it's kind of crazy to see all this drama imploding. I mean, we had the 3-0 loss and we have that then we have that uh, that press conference the day after. And then we have like these rumors about how supposedly they're going to punish the players for being on social too much. It just feels, it feels like a really bad time over at, at Chivas. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it kind of worries me that sometimes you're starting to see other teams that have, I mean, obviously every, every team has a youth system, some a little bit more successful than others, but Chivas being a team that depends entirely on Mexican players, you would think that youth system would be even stronger and would be like really evident and clear that you have those players coming in. And then it, it just doesn't seem that way. You, I'm not starting to see the future um, Chicharitos, the future Osvaldo Sanchez's, the, the, like all those players coming in. I'm, I'm kind of struggling even to start seeing like, hey, are we, are we actually like getting those players? I, I know um, in, in the press conference we had on Monday with Belais uh, and Busetich, they said, so, hey, we have a, a really great U20, a great, really great expansion team with Tarapio. They're, they're currently in first place. But I was thinking, 
I mean, I'm glad they're in first place. I just don't see them with the with the senior team yet. It just doesn't seem as though that's coming. That's a transition that's actually going to help the team now or, or next season. It, it seems kind of long way um, just for that to actually happen. But then I saw looking at other teams like America, like Pumas, who are slowly getting those players. Like, yeah, they're not key players yet, um, or at least not all of them. But you do start to constantly start seeing like the starting lineups and you start talking about them and they're being called up to the national team. So it's it's weird though, because I mean I was looking at, at the call-ups for, for the Olympic qualifiers and for the senior team. Chivas doesn't have a single player called up for the senior team, but they do have six, I think it was six players called up for the Olympic qualifiers. Yeah. So it it kind of contradicts what I'm saying, but still I'm not seeing that like that second or that, that following generation of Chivas players coming in and slowly getting minutes, slowly um, starting to compete. I mean, if you look at, at, at Chivas' strikers, I mean, the only player that's actually scored is Macias. You, you have other players in that position, but you're just not seeing them score. So where are those players? Why aren't we getting those players uh, coming in? Why aren't they starting to get any minutes? I mean, I'm, I don't expect them to actually win a game yet, but if, if we really do have that solid system, you would start getting some attention to those players and start seeing them and build up a, a bit more, uh, especially as a senior team level, not necessarily as U23s or U24s. Um, and then I look over at America and I'm starting to remember of Diego Lainez and Edson. And now you're seeing Cordoba, who seems uh, sometimes irregular, but you definitely see some material there for a player that could definitely go to Europe sometime soon. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something that, again, it worries me because it is something where I think Chivas should definitely be like a powerhouse in the Yamekis and it seems as though kind of, they kind of lost that, that strength. Well, it's also the system. I feel that a lot of the fans are really unhappy with, you know, um, Carlos actually said something that was a really great point on the Mexican soccer show where there's six players on the Olympic squad, right? And qualifiers are about to start tomorrow. If those players actually make a huge difference or have like this talent that we know they possess, but show it in the Olympic qualifiers, that puts more speculation on Wusatich, who, you know, he subbed out JJ Macias for whatever reason on, on Sunday. And so that just adds more, you know, fuel to that flame of just pure outrage that's going on over there. Um, where you wonder like yeah like you're saying like these youth players have great talent but what's going on why are we not seeing them to the same capacity that Cordova who's been kind of you know I've, I've said it before he always needs to prove himself to be that European talent or prospect that everybody thought of him to be about like a season and a half ago mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think the Olympic qualifiers are definitely going to be an interesting platform for all those Chivas youth players to to show what they're capable of and speaking of that yeah, yeah. Olympic qualifiers <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they start off tomorrow. Um, it's so weird because I think it was actually the first tournament that we saw canceled, like just like a week before, I remember. I, I remember um, Liga Mexicans being canceled uh, by the, almost an entire, like a year ago to almost the day. They, it was canceled on Sunday, March 15th. I actually remember this, it was, it was when my dad's birthday. <laughs> um, after the America Cruz Azul game at the Estadio Azteca, I remember a day before, I was at the Estadio Olimpico Universitario where Pumas had their first ever women's uh, game at the stadium. Um, and I remember it was halftime and we were already talking about the league's going to be canceled. They're going to, games aren't going to go on. They're only going to end uh, this league, the jornada and it's done. Uh, pandemic is growing. They're worried, blah, blah, blah. And then um, 
Yeah, it was shortly after that. I, I remember it was, it was also the week where Cruz Azul was going to play LAFC for the for yep. the Conca Champions, and just everything. It was like a domino effect, right, like right after that. And the Olympic qualifiers were coming up um, in Guadalajara as well. We were really excited to see that, and everything just came like it, it just fell down after that. So yeah, really, um, I'm kind of excited to see um, those games because. We're kind of used to seeing um, U.S. and Mexico be in opposite groups, and now they're actually in the same one. So um, it's going to be—I don't think it's going to be a really easy run for 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 either either uh, national team um, for in, in the group stage because we're kind of used to just thinking about, hey, they'll make it through the group stage, and then we'll see them um, after that in quarterfinals or, or whatever format we have. So we have the U.S., Costa Rica, um, and Republic Dominicana in Group A, and then we have Honduras, Canada, Haiti, and El Salvador in Group B. Tomorrow, uh, the first game kicks off. It's United States versus Costa Rica. That's going to happen at the Jalisco, um, and then we're also going to have games at the Estadio Akron, so where Chivas and Atlas play. And then Mexico will play at 6:30. Wait, I'm trying to think because you guys already you guys are already um, in daylight savings time. We haven't done that <laughs> yeah. switch yet. So this is the weird like, moment where we're an yeah. hour apart instead of two. So exactly, Mexico, Mexico versus Dominican Republic kicks off at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Exactly. Yeah. Your time. Yeah, I, I hate like it's like three weeks where everything is off. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird in like every sense possible, but yeah, we, we still don't make the switch. I think it's all like first week of April or something. Um, so yeah, we have those games kicking off group A and then we have group B games uh, kicking off on Friday. We don't have any games on Saturday and then we have games again on Sunday and Monday. Mexico will face Costa Rica in their second game and the US will face Republica Dominicana. Um, and then on the 24th, which is the last day of group A activity, we have Mexico versus USA, which will be really exciting to see um, at, let me wait, 7.30. Uh, PM for for Pacific time at the Jalisco. After that, it's semifinals on the 28th, both games uh, on the 28th, and then we'll have the final on Tuesday, March 30th at 7 PM Pacific time. Um, and both finalists get their tickets to Tokyo 2020. So we're obviously expecting those teams to be Mexico and US just because of talent we're seeing in, uh, in these generations but again it's CONCACAF and just just about everything can happen so um, not guaranteeing it to be easy for either team um, it also will be really interesting to see how they come off I mean not all of the teams have had activity recently uh, obviously some of everyone except Mexico had to travel um, these are U24 teams rather than U23 because obviously after having everything suspended last year they increased the age limit just to make sure that, that some of those players didn't miss out on the opportunity of playing Olympic qualifiers and possibly the Olympics. So it'll be really interesting. I mean, just see how Jaime Lozano uh, handles this opportunity. Um, it will also kind of like um, coincide with, with the senior national team level as well, which we got a call up for. So we're going to have both teams having games practically at the same time. Um, I don't remember the last time that happened. I mean, we're kind of used to having them sometimes during the summer kind of like overlap. But um, other than that, it's going to be really weird because we do have the senior team playing on Sunday uh, against Wales and they play against Costa Rica on Wednesday, which is one day after the Olympic qualifying tournament final. So 
Yeah, so lots of activity with the national team. Um, obviously, these are FIBA friendlies. I mean, it's a FIBA date as well, so we're not going to have any League X activity uh, for that week. But we do have activity this weekend, uh, which is why Chivas requested their game against Monterrey to be postponed until I think until mid-April because I completely forgot. I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking at the schedule right now and I was like, wait, where's Chivas? Like, where'd they go? (laughs) I swear. And then you just, I was like, I was like, wait a second. Why are they getting the day off? I remember. Okay. That makes sense. They're like, Hey man, we don't have any players. Yeah. We lost like six players. So this is like unfair in like every level possible. Yeah. They, 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 um, they're going to play Monterrey until the 21st, which also brings the point. I mean, Chivas won't have any activity since last Saturday, Sunday, until the 4th of April, I think. They have like 21 days off, um, which is sometimes a good thing for some teams. They, they bring back players. They kind of just like, like, I don't know, like come back and, and mentally are prepared for like whatever's the rest of the season. Uh, they regroup, stuff like that. Sometimes you kind of lose that momentum and it's even worse because you kind of lost um, that level of performance that you were just, you had previously. So um, they haven't announced any friendlies yet for Chivas, but I, I really expect they have something uh, or someone to play against because it is a really, really long time for them not to have games because they won't have games this, this weekend. Then you have FIFA and then you, they play all the way until the 4th of April, which is against Santos. So that's a long time for not having any games. They're going to spend that whole time trying to figure out Santos' game plan, like their entire game plan, so that they can hopefully (laughs) hi. (laughs) I'm not even going to give them a win. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's weird. I I actually thought they were going to get some days off, but they didn't. They actually started practicing, I think, on Tuesday. They only had one day off because they played on Sunday, so they had, like, Monday off. I think they actually started practicing on Tuesday, which seems more like like a punishment maybe rather than something like, oh, yeah, we're going to go back to practice. So... Yeah, I just hope that they see it. I, I also think they're not going to have like any press, like media availability during like for two weeks. So hopefully it'll be something where Chivas can take advantage of all that like off time and again regroup. Uh, we're starting to see some some rumors regarding Macias not having the, the best relationship possible with other players, um, stuff like that. So I just hope it's it's a time for Chivas to take advantage and make sure that they're in the liguilla. Um, by the end of everything yeah well we'll see it's just it's kind of fun until it's not fun to watch what's happening over there but it's, it's fun to watch until week 17 comes along and you're like like doing like liguilla math and like okay so we need this guy to lose but then this guy also has to lose but he has to lose by for like two goals and then we have to score at least one and then we have to like go look out for some other game <laughs> I just imagine they come back and Chivas beat Santos. That that's that's just like peak M- Liga MX. That's what's gonna end up happening. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Adriana, as always, we went through a lot of topics, a lot of good topics. Had a good chat. Any other it's, final words? Oh my god, there's just so much stuff going on. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a chance. Um, you know what? I actually, I'm gonna tell the listeners. There's a good chance with everything happening, we might not be back next week. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. It, it is like really crazy because of both national teams. I, I actually had to write down a calendar and just be like, so we have this and this. And then you're like also thinking, oh my God, we also have like Champions League. Oh wait, is Champions League back like that time? Okay, no. And then we have uh, MLS is starting next month. And then I think we have Champions at some point. 
um and and you have like 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 friendlies all over the place like we have the wifa friendlies as well so you, you're kind of looking into that um it's going to be like 100 days away from the gold cup next week or on, on the first it's, it's like 100 days away so now we're starting to, like, to think about like the entire marathon that will be the summer i'm already tired i don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> i changed my mind why did i choose this profession ollie i'm never gonna see you again i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's gonna be really crazy um but again i mean obviously we're gonna keep up like with with all the information on social media so if anyone wants to join in with all this like football hysteria regarding league mx and three we're gonna gonna have to come up with another the women the women are probably gonna have friendlies in april too my god we're not yeah jesus nobody works harder than mexicans i just want to make that no (laughs) that's that could be like a good thing and a bad thing yes um yeah and and, i mean if you actually look at the league mx um schedule for like the next couple of months like the last weeks um just something happened or, or someone was really like i don't know this is like either cruel or really interesting i'm not entirely sure but if you look at the calendar um you'll see that we have like the best game saved for last as well so we have Cruz Azul versus Chivas, Tigres versus America, America versus Cruz Azul, Pumas versus Tigres, um, Atlas versus Chivas. We have the Clásico Regio. Um, and all that happens like in the last four to five weeks of Liga MX, which are coming up. Um, plus thinking over like to, we'll have Nations League and Conca Champions and the Femenil and yeah, so it's going to be really crazy. I'm starting to feel like the, like the excitement and sl- slash um, just, I don't know, I, I, mean, I guess it'll be like tension. Nausea. Like, <laughs> nausea, just about everything possible, like looking into the summer, because obviously um, it's going to be like a really busy slash exciting slash we're going to die summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go take a nap now. Keep up with the content. <laughs> But as always, guys, keep up with the content. Obviously, there's going to be plenty of it out there. Follow the hashtag LigaMexFEMENG for the men's LigaMexENG and for L3 and L3 Feminine. But just keep up with it. There's so much of it to absorb. So enjoy it. Have fun. We might be back next week. I don't know. But at the end of the day, it is our football. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.